Section 4 of Children's Edition of Touching Incidents and Remarkable Answers to Prayer by S.P. Shaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tim Cote. The Dying Girl's Prayer for Her Drunken Father. A child from a poor family had an intemperate father, who often used to abuse his wife and children. This child had been to the Sunday school, had become pious. The physician told the father that his little girl would die. No, he did not believe it. Yes, she will. She must die in a few hours. The father hastened to the bedside, would not part with her, he said. Yes, father, you must part with me. I'm going to Jesus. Promise me two things. One is that you won't abuse mother any more and will drink no more whiskey. He promised in a solemn, steady manner. The little girl's face lighted up with joy. The other thing is, promise me that you will pray, said the child. I cannot pray. Don't know how, said the poor man. Father, kneel down, please. There, take the words after me. I will pray. I learned how to pray in Sunday school, and God has taught me how to pray, too. My heart prays, and you must let your heart pray. Now say the words. And she began in her simple language to pray to the Savior of sinners. After a little, he began to repeat after her. As he went on, his heart was interested, and he broke out into an earnest prayer for himself, bewailed his sins, confessed and promised to forsake them, entered into covenant with God. Light broke out in his darkness. How long he prayed he did not know. He seemed to have forgotten his child in his prayer. When he came to himself, he raised his head from the bed on which he had rested it. There lay the little speaker. A lovely smile was upon the face. Her hand was in that of the father. But she had gone to be among the angels. Power of Prayer by Prime Lost Treasures Come, Mamie, darling, said Mrs. Peterson. Before you go into the land of dreams, you will kneel at my knee and thank your Heavenly Father for what he has given you today. Mamie came slowly towards her mother and said, I've been very naughty, and I can't pray, Mama. If you've been naughty, dear, that is the more reason that you need to pray. But, Mama, I don't think God wants little girls to come to him when they are naughty. You are not naughty now, my dear, are you? No, I'm not naughty now. Well, then, come at once. What shall I say to God about it, Mama? You can tell God how very sorry you are. What difference will that make? When we have told God that we are sorry, and when He has forgiven us, then we are as happy as if we had not done wrong. But we cannot undo the mischief. Then, Mama, I can never be quite as rich as if I had not had a naughty hour today. Never, my dear. But the thought of your loss may help you to be more careful in the future, and we will ask God to keep you from sinning against Him again. Selected The Little Girl Who Died to Save Her Father's Life My dear little friend, I want to tell you about a little girl in Switzerland who died to save her father's life. I hope it will lead you to think of him who died a dreadful death on the cross, that we might be saved from sin and sorrow here, and at last dwell with him in bright mansions in the skies. 
This little girl lived near a deep ravine at the foot of one of the mountains in Switzerland. A huge rock had fallen down the mountainside and lodged in the ravine, and thus made a natural bridge, so that those who wished to pass from one side of the mountain to the other could cross the bridge. The mother of the child was an earnest Christian, and often told her daughter about the blessed Savior, who died in the place of sinners, who deserved to be punished that they might be forgiven and saved in heaven. And she told her also that unless she came to Jesus and trusted in him, she would be lost forever. At first the little girl did not care very much about what her mother said, but at last the mother's prayer was answered. Her little one felt herself to be a lost sinner, and that Christ alone could save her. God's Spirit taught her that Jesus had paid the debt, and that he stood with open arms, ready to receive her and wash her sins away. Then she felt sure that heaven would be her home forever. Her father was not a Christian. He never gathered his loved ones around the family altar. One day, when about to cross the deep ravine upon the rock bridge, the mother saw that it was just ready to fall. The frost had loosened it. She told her little child that if she ever crossed it again, it would fall, and she would be dashed in pieces. The next day the father told his child that he was going over to the other side across the bridge. She told him it was not safe, but he only laughed at her. He said he had been across it before she was born, and that he was not afraid. When the dear little thing saw that he was determined to go, she asked if she could go with him. While they were walking along together, she looked up into her father's face and said, Father, if I should die, will you promise to love Jesus and meet me in heaven? Pshaw, he said. What put such a wild thought into your head? You are not going to die, I hope. You are only a wee thing and will live many years. Yes, but if I should die, will you promise to love Jesus as I do and meet me in heaven? But you are not going to die. Don't speak of it, he said. But if I should die, do promise, Father, you will be a good Christian and come up and live with Jesus and me in heaven? Yes, yes, he said at last. When they came near the crossing place, she said, Father, please stand here a minute. She loved him dearly and was willing to run the risk of dying for him. Strange as it may seem, she walked quickly and jumped upon the loose rock, and down it went with the girl. She was crushed to death. The trembling parent crept to the edge, and eyes dimmed with tears gazed wildly upon the wreck. Then he thought of all his little child had told him about how Jesus had died to save us. He thought he had never loved her so much. But he began to see that he had far more reason to love Jesus, who had suffered much more to save him from the bottomless pit. And then he thought of the promise he so carefully made to his daughter. What could he do but kneel down and cry to God to have mercy upon him? If they meet in heaven... Do you think that daughter will be sorry that she sacrificed her life for her father's sake? Can you not imagine that tears often filled the eyes of that father when he spoke of his sainted little one? You would say that he would have been a very wicked man if he had not loved the memory of his child. But is it not a thousand times more wicked for you not to love him who has loved you so much more than the little one loved her father? How can you help loving such a precious Savior? Will you not ask him to forgive you and help you to live for him the rest of your life? The Way of Faith Forgotten My Soul 
Mother, you have forgotten my soul. So said a little girl, three years old, as her kind and careful mother was about to lay her in bed. She had just risen from repeating the Lord's Prayer. But, Mother, she said, you have forgotten my soul. What do you mean, Anna? Why, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. We have not said that. The child meant nothing more, yet her words were startling. And, oh, from how many rosy lips might they come with mournful significance. You, fond mother, so busy hour after hour preparing and adorning garments for their pretty little form, have you forgotten the soul? Do you commend it earnestly to the care of its God and Savior? Are you leading it to commit itself in faith and love to His keeping? Selected Prevailing Prayer of a Child At the close of a prayer meeting, the pastor observed a little girl about twelve years of age remaining upon her knees when most of the congregation had retired. Thinking the child had fallen asleep, he touched her and told her it was time to return home. To his surprise, he found that she was engaged in prayer, and he said, All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. She looked up at the pastor earnestly and inquired, Is that so? Does God say that? He took up a Bible and read the passage aloud. She immediately began praying, Lord, send my father here. Lord, send my father to the chapel. Thus she continued for about a half an hour, attracting by her earnest cry the attentions of persons who had lingered about the door. At last a man rushed into the chapel, ran up the aisle, and sank upon his knees by the side of his child, exclaiming, What do you want of me? She threw her arms about his neck and began to pray, O oh Lord, convert my father. Soon the man's heart was melted, and he began to pray for himself. The child's father was three miles from the chapel when she began praying for him. He was packing goods in a wagon and felt impressed with an irresistible impulse to return home. Driving rapidly to his house, he left the goods in his wagon and hastened to the chapel, where he found his daughter crying mightily to God in his behalf, and he was led there to the Savior. Foster's Encyclopedia The Dying Newsboy in a dark alley in the great city of New York, a small, ragged boy might be seen. He appeared to be about twelve years old and had a careworn expression on his countenance. The cold air seemed to have no pity as it pierced through his ragged clothes and made the flesh beneath blue and almost frozen. This poor boy had once a happy home. His parents died a year before and left him without money or friends. He was compelled to face the cold, cruel world with but a few cents in his pocket. He tried to earn his living by selling newspapers and other such things. This day everything seemed to go against him, and in despair he threw himself down in the dark alley with his papers by his side. A few boys gathered around the poor lad and asked in a kind way, for a street Arab, Say, Johnny, why don't you go to the lodges? The lodge was a place where almost all the boys stayed at night, costing but a few cents. But the poor little lad could only murmur that he could not stir, and called the boys about him, saying, I am dying now, because I feel so queer, 
and I can hardly see you. Gather around me closer, boys. I cannot talk so loud. I can kinder see the angels holding out their hands for me to come to that beautiful place called heaven. Goodbye, boys. I am to meet father and mother. And, with these last words on his lips, the poor lad died. Next morning, the passers-by saw a sight that would soften the most hardened heart. There, lying on the cold stone, with his head against the hard wall and his eyes staring upward, was the poor little frozen newsboy. He was taken to the chapel nearby and was interred by kind hands. And those who perform this act will never forget the poor forsaken lad. Golden Dawn New Shoes I wonder if there can be a pair of shoes in it. Little Tim sat on the ground close beside a very ugly, dark-colored stone jug. He eyed it sharply, but finding it quite impossible to see through its sides, pulled out the cork and peered anxiously in. Can't see nothing, but it's so dark in there I, I couldn't see if there was anything. I have a great mind to break the hateful old thing. He sat for a while thinking how badly he wanted a pair of shoes to wear to the Sunday school picnic. His mother had promised to wash and mend his clothes so that he might go looking very neat indeed. But the old shoes were far past all mending, and how could he go barefoot? Then he began counting the chances of his father being very angry when he should find his jug broken. He did not like the idea of getting a whipping for it, as was very likely, but how could he resist the temptation of making sure about those shoes? The more he thought of them, the more he couldn't. He sprang up and hunted around until he found a good-sized brick bat, which he flung with such vigorous hand and correct aim that the next moment the old jug lay in pieces before his eyes. How eagerly he bent over them in the hope of finding not only what he was so longing for, but perhaps other treasure. But his poor little heart sank as he turned over the fragments with trembling fingers. Nothing could be found among the broken bits, wet on the inside with a bad-smelling liquid. Tim sat down again and sobbed as he had never sobbed before, so hard that he did not hear a step beside him until a voice said, Well, what's all this? He sprang up in great alarm. It was his father, who always slept late in the morning and was very seldom awake so early as this. Who broke my jug? he asked. I did, said Tim, catching his breath half in terror and half between his sobs. Why did you? Tim looked up. The voice did not sound quite so terrible as he had expected. The truth was, his father had been touched at sight of the forlorn figure, so very small and so sorrowful, which had bent over the broken jug. Why, he said, I was looking for a pair of new shoes. I wanted a pair of shoes awful bad to wear at the picnic. All the other chaps wear shoes. How came you to think you'd find shoes in a jug? Why, Mama said so. I asked her for some new shoes, and she said they had gone into the black jug, and that lots of other things had gone into it too, coats and hats and bread and meat and things, and I thought if I broke it, I'd find them all, and there ain't a thing in it, and Mama never said what wasn't so before, and I thought t'would be so sure. And Tim, hardly able to sob out the words, feeling how keenly his trust in his mother's word had added to his great disappointment sat down again and cried harder than ever. His father seated himself on a box in the disorderly yard and remained quiet for so long a time that Tim at last looked timidly up. 
I am real sorry I broke your jug, father. I'll never do it again. No, I guess you won't, he said, laying a hand on the rough little head as he went away, leaving Tim overcome with astonishment that his father had not been angry with him. Two days after, on the very evening before the picnic, he handed Tim a parcel, telling him to open it. New shoes! New shoes! he shouted. Oh, father, did you get a new jug, and were they in it? No, my boy. There isn't going to be a new jug. Your mother was right all the time. The things all went into the jug, but you see, getting them out is no easy matter, so I'm going to keep them out after this. New York Observer End of Section 4 Recording by Tim Cote of Santa Maria, California, September 1st, 2013